0: is Australia. There's fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms blooms. as far as i see. So, you know, but I ain't spending any time on it. Oh, oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. We'll never get tired of that Jackie Lambie clip there. Yes, greetings and welcome to Decode, the Paterda Advocates political podcast series where we try and figure out what the fuck is going on in the world of politics. Does always seem to be something happening. My name's Wendell Hussey. It's great to have your company and you can probably assume what we are going to talk about this week. It's a certain former prime minister getting up to some interesting things during the pandemic. Yes, we're going to talk about the side hustle Scotty saga, what's going on, where we got to, all that sort of stuff. We have a constitutional law expert going to jump on the line in a second to help explain the ins and outs and the ramifications and some potential consequences that we might see. But before we get there, we'll just do a quick recap of where everything sits at the moment. As you might know, Scott Morrison went to the Governor General over the last couple of years and basically secretly got him to appoint him to various ministries, we're talking health, finance, treasury, home affairs, industry and resources. It's up to five ministries now with Potentially more to come. I mean, it was three ministries about twenty-four hours ago, and then it broke that it became five ministries. So who knows? Maybe there's more to come. Apparently, Ministry of Sound. We've also heard that he's made himself the minister of. So it's come to light that he's gone and he's made himself the minister for these various ministries. Three ministries say they had absolutely no knowledge of the appointments. They weren't informed. It was all done uh, secret, secret. One of them was his Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews, who said this yesterday:
1: "There was certainly no." Dis- discussion uh, with me. It would be appropriate, in my view, for Scott Morrison to resign and to leave Parliament.
0: Yeah, hectic that a powerful figure within his own party is calling for him to resign. Apparently not even Australia's top spooks knew about Scott Morrison's hidden portfolios. Home Affairs Secretary Mike Pizzullo said he was not informed of Scott Morrison's secret appointments, which given the importance of national security, as the government likes to bang on about, is an interesting one to not inform them of what was going on. So yeah, basically in secret he was getting the Governor-General, who is the Queen's representative and effectively the head of state down here, to give him all these powerful positions without informing anybody in his party from what we know so far technically he didn't do anything illegal it's just fucking dodgy and all of this moving behind closed doors getting himself appointed as ministers for all these portfolios without telling any of his colleagues has a rancid smell to it because the idea is that he appoints these people to the various ministries He, he appoints a health minister because he trusts them because he's happy to give them the responsibility to deal with that portfolio and get up to speed with that portfolio and be across it and exercise that power but he's clearly been undermining them and appointing themselves to his role secretly, which seems like a pretty blatant attempt to get more power for himself. A power grab, basically. Everyone's had all sorts to say about this. Of course, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull had to give his two cents, which you can take with a grain of salt, given how much he hates Scott Morrison for rolling in. But this is kind of how he tried to sum up the gravity of the situation the other day. This is is one of the most appalling uh, things I've ever heard in our federal government. So while we've heard a lot about it, apparently Morrison didn't do anything in particular with the secret ministry roles other than make one particular decision to overrule the resources minister. Morrison admitted that he took control of the resources portfolio in 2021 to overrule then-Minister Keith Pitt to block a petroleum exploration licence off the New South Wales central coast, which again, interesting, given he was going out and talking up the merits of coal, gas, oil, petroleum, all that sort of stuff that he was behind closed doors doing this to undermine his colleagues because he thought it was bad optics. So, you know, certainly shows the more conniving side of the daggy dad persona that Morrison cultivated over his time as Prime Minister. So that's where it's at at the moment. There's plenty of calls for him to resign from Parliament. He's just the member for Cook at the moment he doesn't have any other responsibility but people are saying he needs to leave you know he's undermined democracy he's breached public trust all that sort of stuff but he's channeling his inner jordan Belfort and saying he's not going anywhere i'm not fucking leaving i I did what i thought was necessary in the national interest to ensure the government continued to perform well which it did (laughs) i believed it was necessary to have authority to have what were effectively emergency powers um to exercise in extreme situations that would be unforeseen, that would enable me to act in the national interest. And that is what I did. That's where we're kind of at. And to figure out how we got here and what it all means and how it adds up in terms of the history of our federal parliament, we've got an expert on, as is the custom, to help us break down the topic in particular. We've spoken to a few Bush lawyers out here. They reckon there's a bit of Marbo about it. Certainly a lot of the vibe going on as well, but they haven't really broken it down for us. So we've decided to call in the big guns to get to the bottom of it. We've got an expert joining us on this issue, and I know we do throw around expert loosely, but we do have a bona fide one today. We have Anne Francis Toomey. She's an Australian academic and a constitutional law expert. She's currently the Professor of Constitutional Law at the Director of the Constitutional Reform Unit at Sydney Law School, the University of Sydney, down there in what is regarded by people in the Channel Country as Australia's worst city. Anyway, (laughs) Anne is on the line with us now. Anne, thanks very much for joining us. Um,
1: You're very welcome.
0: Now, it's been a hectic, hectic week. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Every hour, we seem to be having more and more revelations about what the busiest man and the man with the most jobs in Australia had been up to over the last couple of years. In your words, how would you generally summarize what we've learned over the last few days regarding side hustle, Scotty?
1: (laughs) Well, I have to say there's a technical constitutional term for it, and it's Absolutely bonkers. The entire thing has just left everybody gobsmacked, including constitutional lawyers. So we're all as astounded by it as everyone else, can I tell you?
0: Yes, okay. For people who may not be as across the issue or as in tune with this sort of stuff, why is the bloke-in-chief's behaviour such a big deal? What he's been going and doing was secretly appointing himself to all these ministries.
1: Okay, look, on the one hand, it's not a huge deal because there is a system in place already where more than one minister can administer a portfolio so Mm -hmm. you know defense would have three or four ministers in it home affairs has three or four ministers so to have the prime minister doing it is not unusual to the extent well it is a bit unusual for the prime minister but it's not unusual for one minister for example also to exercise the powers of another when they're overseas and sick and all that sort of stuff and there's systems to facilitate that so there's stuff in legislation that says one minister can appoint another to exercise their powers so they can go overseas or have a holiday or whatever. So all of that's utterly normal. The weird stuff that's going on here is the fact that he was going around doing it in secret and Mm -hmm. not telling the relevant minister whose portfolio was involved and not telling the cabinet and not telling the public. I mean, when this stuff happens, it's normally there's, you know, if someone's appointed to fill a particular ministerial role, there's normally a press release, there's normally sort of a document that goes on the Federal Register of Legislation, etc., etc. It's the sneaking around and doing it. And also it's the, let me give myself extra powers to do this while someone else has already got those powers and is exercising them. I mean, it's one thing to do it while someone's away or sick, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But giving yourself the powers of a whole lot of other portfolios in secret while the other person's still exercising the power so that you can sneakily come along and sort of somehow take over if necessary is just seriously weird. And and not transparent is the, the real issue from a constitutional point of view.
0: Yeah. Okay. Not great optics on it at all. And yes, as a lot of people have heard talking about it say that the secrecy and all that sort of stuff may be much worse than the actual not the crime committed, but the issue at hand. Yeah, this did seem or does seem like it was a sneaking around to grab more power for Morrison himself there. In terms of the constitutional stuff you just mentioned, is it feasible that all these ministers who are now coming out, they're former ministers now, but they're coming out and saying they weren't aware of all of this happening and they didn't know this secrecy element is it actually feasible that they didn't know and they weren't aware
1: Um, i I think they all look pretty genuinely shocked to me so i don't i don't think they're pretending i think they genuinely didn't know but you know the underlying question is well can you appoint people as as a minister and do it secretly and not tell anyone and and the answer is, well, we've now found out technically you can mm. because the the system works on the basis of, you know, it's it's the old English system of good chaps. So we all expect ministers to be good chaps and to sort of do the right thing and it's all cricket and we'll all play by the rules. And And that was the basis on which the executive government was set up under the constitution Mm. and so there's that that part of the constitution is pretty vague on all this stuff it doesn't actually expressly say if you appoint someone a minister then you have to make it public it's just not written down in there Mm -hmm. and nor did anyone ever think that you needed to have a piece of legislation that said that because everyone just assumed that when you did these things you'd make them publicly known so It's sort of revealed a flaw in all of this. There aren't rules about it because everybody assumed everyone would behave sensibly and rationally and openly. And, you know, clearly we can't Mm. assume that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's certainly not a good look for his bumbling daggy dad persona that he was cultivating over the last couple of years. So you're talking there about the assumption that everyone will be good chaps, this old school kind of thinking. Will we now see some potential tweaks to basically ensure that it doesn't come down to good chaps and good lasses? um, just adhering to principles of cricket?
1: Um, Yeah, I think we should. So look, even in cricket, they have a rule book, right? Mm. So we we need a few more rules going on here. So what should we do? Well, we should have um, some legislation that says that when the Governor-General makes these instruments, appointing someone to an office or whatever, that instrument then is a statutory instrument that has to be registered on the Federal Register of Legislation in order to be effective. Mm. And. And if we do that, that would solve the problem. And it would also solve another problem because the more I look into this, the more murky it becomes in terms of actually being able to identify which minister is responsible for which piece of legislation and the powers under it, right? Mm. So if you go and look, there are these things called administrative arrangements orders. They're hard enough to find as it is. But anyway, they set out legislation that belongs to each portfolio, but they they stick it under whatever the relevant department is but it doesn't tell you which minister is responsible for the relevant department so you've got to go somewhere else for that right and if you go to the sort of list there's a general list that says okay there are four ministers under this portfolio whatever but It doesn't tell you that someone might have actually small bits of their responsibility that cover over a whole lot of different portfolios. And so I'm told by a a public servant who decided to become deep-throated and and blabbed to me that there's only one way you can actually find this out. And that is by looking at the commission that the Governor-General gives to each minister, and it's never published. And so it's hung often on the wall of the minister's office. So if you sneak into the minister's office and take a quick picture of the commission (laughs) hanging on their wall, you might find out. But but otherwise, it's very difficult to find this out. So we need to make that public because for all the ministers, et cetera, who have been going out there saying, how outrageous is this? The Australian people have a right to know which minister is responsible for different pieces of legislation. Well, the reality is it's not just the Scott Morrison problem. There's a deeper problem in relation to that where we don't know because the relevant documents don't really tell us. So that's problem number one. Mm. And then problem number two in this, which someone else told me about, a colleague, is that within portfolios where you've got, say, four ministers doing it, it's very hard to find which of those ministers is actually the one is responsible for any little bit of legislation. So, one of my colleagues had been trying to find out which minister had responsibility for cancelling visas, right? Yep. And thought, okay, I'll put in an FOI application and find the relevant document about how they divvy up the responsibility within the Home Affairs portfolio. And then was told, no, can't have any of this, it's all secret. And he just thinks, seriously? Yeah, it's secret from the Australian people. It's cabinet incompetence and it's deliberations of government and that it's not in the public interest to release. And you just think that's just completely bonkers. So that needs to be cleaned up too. I mean, honestly, the, the, the stuff they carry on about being secret in government to stop anyone knowing anything is just crazy i mean there are good reasons for some things being kept secret but Mm. in recent years and decades there's just been this enormous growth of secrecy for no reason right no reason other than oh it makes me feel powerful to be secret and deny people information so that's what we need to clean up and, and we need to do it big time and so hopefully this this whole morrison debacle might actually spur something good, you know. It's the thing about statues to people, you know. When people do terrible things, it can also mean that actually they become a hero in terms of creating reforms um, uh, that achieve things that you couldn't achieve for donkey's years by sort of going through the ordinary methods. So I'm I'm hoping that Scott Morrison will become the, the statue and hero of transparency by causing people to react to actually ensure that we actually do get a bit more transparency.
0: There you go. This could be our underarm bowling moment and history, you know, may look back on this saga and we can potentially, hopefully, look at the positives that come out of it. Politicians don't seem to be huge fans of transparency, particularly uh, what we've seen over the last couple of years. So hopefully we can get some more transparency as you're talking about as to how all of this stuff works. I wanted to know, people seem to say we haven't seen anything like this. Have we ever seen anything like this or has a prime minister going and appointing himself to all of these roles secretly? This is pretty unprecedented, isn't
1: it? Well, it is in a country like Australia. I mean, it's the sort of thing that Idi Amin or someone would have done, but um, in dictatorships, probably not unusual. I mean, probably even Vladimir Putin and whatever has been out doing these sorts of things. But in a democratic system like Australia, no, highly unusual. I certainly don't know about it, but having said that, if you were doing it in secret and you're actually good at keeping your secrets rather than blubbing it to people who are writing a book about you, then, hey, maybe we wouldn't know. So, you know, <laughs> well, who knows?
0: Look, you know, maybe as a country, we've joined some, um, some esteemed company for other countries around the world. On this secret stuff, I, I wanted to ask about where the Governor-General sits amid all this. Did he technically do his job or should he have been disclosing some of this stuff or should he have just been having conversations to other people rather than keeping it Hush, hush, friends with benefits with Scott Morrison.
1: Yeah, look, I think the difficulty we have is we just don't know what happened, okay? We haven't seen mm-hmm. the documents. We don't know what he was told. So imagine one scenario is he's sitting there in his office and he gets an official document through the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, comes to him and it says it's a document from the Prime Minister and it says, look, we've got this pandemic going on. I'm really worried about, you know, continuity of government, if people get sick. And accordingly, I recommend that you appoint me to these portfolios, I've had legal advice from the Attorney General, who signed off that it's all fine. And if you got that piece of paper, you'd think, oh well, that sounds all perfectly reasonable. And then you'd sign it and you'd send it back. You do it without knowing that the cabinet didn't know, or with all that the relevant minister wasn't didn't know, or that it was all going to be kept secret from the public. Probably nobody told you any of that. Mm. And so you just look at it and think, oh well, that seems to be a sensible measure to deal with a pandemic. So it's possible that the governor general never knew anything sneaky was going on right Mm. other scenario is look maybe he was told maybe the prime minister sort of fronted up and said well i'm going to sneak around the backs of my colleagues i'm not going to tell them but i'm actually going to sort of shadow their powers because somehow i think i'm not going to get COVID, but everybody else is and they are all going to drop off the twig and i can take over from them and by the way i don't really need anyone to do the same for me and that'll, you know, and, and says that to the Governor-General and the Governor-General might then say, well, you know, is that really wise, Prime Minister? You know, I think you should be more transparent, Prime Minister. Perhaps you should go back to your Cabinet, Prime Minister, and consult with them, etc., etc. et cetera. So the Governor-General has some capacity to do a bit of pushback. They can delay. They can mm-hmm. ask for extra advice. They can sort of at least worry the Prime Minister enough to make the Prime Minister think, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. And so a lot of Governors-General have done that in the past. But again, we don't know. Maybe mm. he did do that, you know. But in the end, unless unless the Prime Minister was actually telling the Governor-General to do something that was clearly unlawful, the Governor-General does have to act on the advice of the Prime Minister because the Prime Minister is the one who got elected and has the the, the, the mandate. So... I think it's quite harsh criticising the Governor-General at this stage, at least with that any further knowledge about what actually happened. It may be he didn't know or it may be he did know and he did push back and he did ask for further advice but in the end he acted on the advice of the government, mm. both of which would be acceptable but we just don't know so I think it—I uh, think some of the dumping on the Governor-General at the moment is a bit unfair.
0: Okay, there you go. Well, something may save the Governor-General. Um, I do find it quite curious that he didn't mention it or didn't seem to mention it in passing conversation to anybody at any point at any of these other ministers or it just didn't seem to come up until now but yeah it'll keep an eye on what happens there that kind of leads me into the the last sort of question i've got and just wondering now what can be the fallout out of all of this legally there doesn't seem to be any kind of breaches so far that we know of of the law or any illegalities or anything like that is it now just a matter of optics or Morrison deciding whether he wants to dig his heels in and hang out on the backbench as a member for Cook or decides he wants to get out of here? His, his colleagues are calling, some of his colleagues are calling for him to resign, some are calling for him to stay. But what is the actual permutations here? What could okay. potentially well, happen?
1: the first question is the the question of legality. Um, at the moment, as best I know, there's nothing un- illegal. But the, the problem is we're all still flapping around in the dark because we don't have facts, Right. So it may well be. Uh, We know the Solicitor General has been asked to advise on this, and they're supposed to advise on Monday. The Solicitor General hopefully has been given more facts than we have. Hopefully he has access to the relevant documents, etc. And so possibly there are some legal problems that he might identify on Monday. So that's the first thing that's going to drop and we'll hopefully get more information then. The second sort of issue here is this question about Parliament because ordinarily when ministerial appointments are made they're notified to Parliament on the first sitting after those um, arrangements have been made and this appears not to have been done. So Parliament itself may be quite peeved about what happened and I think we know that a couple of Members of Parliament have suggested that they will seek to have either an inquiry about this or refer Mr Morrison to the Privileges Committee, etc. cetera. So it's possible that he might be brought before a parliamentary committee inquiry, or censured by the House of Parliament, etc, etc. So there may be some parliamentary action going on there. So they seem to be the two likely things that are in the short term. Whether or not this is inquired into in more detail in the longer term, um, if, if some kind of Royal Commission into the pandemic were operating later on, this might be folded into it. So there might be something else coming from it. But the bottom line is, so long as he didn't do anything unlawful, there's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, in the end, it's up to the voters in his own electorate to decide whether they want him or not. It's sort of none of our business.
0: Yeah, okay. So basically, at this point in time, if he decides he wants to hang around the Big Brother house, he'll be there until the people at home potentially vote him out or vote him back in again in a couple of years' time, really.
1: But he might have fewer friends to hang out with.
0: Yes, not a lot of friends The housemates. Housemates might want him evicted, but essentially not really. Anything they can do At this point in time
1: uh, I think that's right there, there, There's no grounds For you know Expelling him from parliament And in any event They removed the power To expel Some time ago So okay. that's not going to happen
0: Okay well There you go As days go by I'm sure there'll be More and more revelations We hear about this It is it is an exciting story And over the last Couple of years We've seen All sorts of stuff Pop up That continue to Amaze and Entertain as well And thanks very much For dialing in From down there In Sydney And helping us out here in the channel country, wrap our heads around just what is going on and what the ramifications are of the Side Hustle Scotty saga.
1: You're very welcome. Have a good day out there. It's beautiful and sunny down here in Sydney, even if it might be the evil centre of the universe.
0: Ah, uh, there you go. Look, it's always sunny up here in Batuta, always sunny. So that was Anne Toomey helping explain just exactly what has happened and the legalities of all this sort of stuff. Um, obviously, there's plenty of optics there, and it'll be interesting to see how long uh, people call for Morrison to resign and whether he does. It's totally up to him by the sounds of it. So as this scandal shown us, developments keep happening every few hours. So... Her- who knows what could happen over the next couple of days. But that is where we're at with the side hustle Scotty saga. It's certainly been quite a return to form for the former Prime Minister. But thanks for joining Decote. That's all we got time for with this episode. Hope to have you company again soon. Bye-bye.